Welcome to Future Spectives, the Locarno Film Festival podcast presented by UBS. I'm your host, Gabby Sanderson, and I'm here to talk with international film stars, upcoming talent, and industry game changers. Over the Future Perspective series, you will discover secret stories and inspiring perspectives on the future of cinema, culture, and society. So let's begin. This is Future Perspectives. Claudia Renico, welcome to the Future Perspectives podcast. Thank you so much, Gabby, and thanks for inviting me. This is very exciting. Uh, I am very, very excited to not just learn about you and your career, but also your story within Locarno, because um, there's a lot to unpack. You are a Swiss-Peruvian artist, writer and director who grew up between Peru, Switzerland and the United States. I wanted to kind of start there. Yeah, so I'm Peruvian. <laughs> That's like the base. And uh, actually, like many, many people today, my family just travel a lot. Um, the first trip was actually when Peru was in crisis, a big political crisis in the 90s. And, uh, and we came to Switzerland mm. with my stepdad and my mom. Mm. And uh, How old were you? I was you nine. Okay. And then from there, uh, I was here. And after a while, my mother was missing her family that had left as well, but that had gone to the US. And first they went to New York, and then they ended up in Florida. So right. at some point, my mom said, let's just all go. Yeah. And I just followed. I mean, growing up, a part of my life in Florida, that's like, things were growing like mushrooms. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it felt like. But it's like that's such that's three very different cultures as well, isn't it? You know, right there that you've got a really interesting blend. It is totally different cultures. I think like the most different for me was really the US and Switzerland. I mean, Europe, because we think them maybe closer because it's, um, you know, uh, an occidental place, both of them. But actually, they're the most different. I really had to learn how to adapt to be a young American in a way. Yeah. And, uh, and I felt every time I would come back to Switzerland or I would go to Peru, I would even change my voice, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's crazy when you actually speak, you know, your voice says some like the, the, like the tone of the voice changes depending on the culture. And that's mm. very strange, like depending on what country I am, I, I can feel that. So before film, you studied fine arts, anthropology and sociology. And that's clearly influenced you along the way as well in your film, right? Yeah, I, I never thought I was actually end up making films. I had mostly an interest in making art you know, um, fine arts. And uh, along the way, uh, I also was interested in studying something that would make me travel, but not travel just without a purpose, just travel to meet more, to know more, to eat more things, yeah. right? And uh, anthropology seemed like the right place to start yeah. that. And that's something that I did studying in Florida when I came back to Switzerland I was around 24 and uh, and I went back to study but this time uh, sociology 
And I think the accumulation of all this, of, you mm -hmm. know, art and, and then anthropology, sociology, just like very naturally brought me to, to cinema. 13 years ago, I was here, uh, I was living in Lausanne, which is in the French part. Mm -hmm. um, and I started to study cinema, actually. I had finished my, my sociology degree. And I came to the festival, like many people do, just to watch films and to be here. And uh, I fell in love with a man that was from here. Okay, <laughs> not cinema with a guy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cinema and a guy. Exactly. Yes, and this yeah. was at the festival. We met at the festival. Ah, are you still with the person? Still together. Is he your husband? <laughs> He's my husband. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting all the feels. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so fell in love with cinema, fell in love with your husband, everything happened in Locarno. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of important stuff. <laughs> a lot stuff, of important stuff happened yes, in Locarno. Yes. Okay, going back a little bit and uh, you deciding, you know what, film, I want to do this, I want to write for film, I want to direct film, is that where your brain went? No, it was not clear like that. Uh, I actually started, uh, you know, just trying to film things uh you know mm. probably more experimental things i don't know if it was like documentary or like uh art films and uh then i went to nyu for like uh like an entire summer class which was like one like three months you yeah. know thing it was kind of like to test whether you know there was something that mm. i could you know that could become mine or not mm. and it was exclusively documentary it gave me some kind of freedom that, that was amazing. So when I continued making films at the beginning, it was documentaries. Right. I, yeah, I made uh, a few documentaries before actually going to fiction and writing my own stuff. Mm. Hearing your story so far, I could see why you would gravitate towards making documentaries, you know, and, and, and exploring subjects and and pulling out storylines that makes a lot of sense to me and then your first feature you were working with actors so were you very yeah. <laughs> she's rolling her eyes it was truly very hard it was like <laughs> because I, I had done a few documentaries and it's such two different things for me back then maybe today I, I would be able to actually work on a film that has both but back then I would follow I would adapt you know, I would follow the story. I would arrange myself in inside a world that I didn't know. That's mm. documentary. Mm. And now suddenly I have to do casting and I have to direct and mm -hmm. I have to control mm -hmm. everything. And if I don't, it's a mess. So like the click in order to do that, it's actually not as, it wasn't as easy for me because to me it was like somehow uh, not respecting as much like an actor if, you know, I wouldn't hear everything that person had to say as a person. Yeah. But somehow, sometimes it was interesting and sometimes it just didn't go with, Your with the creation. Yeah. Mm, mm. So it was a learning experience. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the debut feature... Uh, world premiered in um, Locarno Film Festival in 2016. Yes. Were you nervous when it was time to show the film? Were you? I wouldn't have yeah. been if I was not totally pregnant. This is the thing. Like <laughs> I had my <laughs> my due date was 
on the same day that the film was supposed to, <gasps> yeah. So you were so, potentially birthing the film totally. and your first yes, child. I was like, so who's going to come first? So if this <laughs> child is coming first, I mean, this is going to be like complicated. <laughs> Can so, you imagine the press angle though? If it, you know, what you were thinking, like, like my producer, because she was all over, Claudia, you need to lose your waters on <laughs> on the stage because people are gonna go crazy with that yeah, yeah <laughs> and yeah. i was like i don't want to do that. if you can control that but <laughs> so you know and i had con contractions all the time i was huge <sighs> this was my second child oh, and second i was like child. yeah oh, i was wow. like walking on you know to get from point a to point it was horrible in the Lacano i mean i had contractions for like i feel like three weeks seriously <laughs> I don't know what was going on, but it was like, really. So I think it was great because it, I didn't think too much of what was going on, you know, with like the audience and the film. And it was you more were just like, like okay. please may I not give birth on stage? Yeah. 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 Okay. Got it. <laughs> got it. Okay. So let's talk a bit more about the movie. It's a mix of news stories and superstition. Uh, you created a welcoming yet inhospitable atmosphere with strong links to Chichino. So yeah, just tell us a bit more about creating that kind of mood and I wanted to talk about two different things which are the family and religion, which are basis for many people, you know, whether yeah. you're part of a clan yeah. and what that implies actually. So Inido was all about that, was about a young woman who comes back to a clan hmm. that she doesn't really feel 100% part of. And what that implies, you know, is she going to be able to be part of that plan or is she going to go away from that plan and that's going to hurt because that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in a way yeah. it's like El Nido is all about, yeah, the, the challenge mm. that you have to go through when you're trying to build an identity. And I think it could have been filmed you know, uh, where it was, which was, you know, in nature, like on a mountain, but in other places as well. And I chose there because to me, you know, it was a bit more isolated probably. So the struggle got a bit more intensified. So how did you get your foot in the door in terms of here in Locarno? Like you came at first to, to experience the festival and then you know, debuted your first feature here. What was the um, the process between coming here as a person that's a passionate, student, yeah. yeah, a student, and then ending up debuting your first feature here? Well, it was kind of amazing because, as you know, when, when you feel local, especially Locarno feels local to all Swiss people because it's kind of like it's a very renowned festival. It's, it's, it's a very important festival out there. You know it's hard to actually have your film here because it's not because it's in Switzerland that they're going to pick your film because you're Swiss, right? So I felt very privileged the first mm -hmm. time that my first feature got it into, into Locarno. I, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it was my first feature fiction too. I mean, it was very hard to make my first feature because I feel I had no idea of what I was doing. <laughs> and I, I kind of learned through the process of making yeah. it. But it was, well, I was going to ask you about this because the film was produced by Ticino based company Amca Films. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here that I'm making my first feature, but it's, it's been picked up by a production company. So had you written the script and then sent it to them? When I moved to Ticino, to Lugano, because I, 
you know, I met my husband at the festival. Uh, a year later, uh, I finished my degree and in Lausanne. So I decided to move here and to be with him, whatever. And then I was picked in this uh, in Apulia Film Commission, which is like um, a place where uh, writers from all over the world, they were invited for three weeks to choose create ideas. And then we had two days to pitch them to a, a bunch of producers coming from all Europe and maybe America. I don't remember. This is a long oh. time ago. And the only Swiss producer was Tiziana, who was uh, the producer of AMCA. Yeah. Anyways, we all pitched to producers and then I realized she was like the only Swiss one. So we talked and she said, well, where do you live? And I said, I just moved to Lugano. And she said, that's crazy because my company is actually in Lugano. And so we got in touch like this. Yeah, and um, meant to be. Yeah, somehow it was just like, and I had actually before this feature, we made together my first documentary for cinema mm -hmm. and she produced it. And it was a documentary I had tried to found it to found producers for a few months. And uh, there was some interest, but then I got pregnant. And so I told most of the producers that I had met that I was pregnant, but this documentary, I was going to do it anyways. Yeah. And uh, somehow they all disappeared. And mm. so when I met Tiziana and I, I went to see her in her office, the first thing that I told her was like, I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And, and on she, the table. Right. And yeah. she was like, oh, que bello. Oh, wonderful. Okay. And she didn't, I mean, she, she was a mother. She, she was a working woman. And for her, to her, it was not a problem. Yeah. And we actually did my first feature documentary like this, pregnant. Then I gave birth. Then we continued. Mm. Well, I'm going to actually backpedal a little bit now to a question I wanted to ask you about four Italian directors that came together in London in June to call for greater support for female directors. And this is in Italy's male-dominated industry. Um, female Films by female directors comprised of just 13% of the total films produced in Italy in both 2019. And that this was a significant gain on the... 2% figure of 2010 and I just you saying about how everybody seemed to disappear when you said hey I'm pregnant and I'm just wondering was it quite a male dominated uh, landscape then do you think that had anything to do with it whereas women we know like we we know we get on with the job and we're pregnant we're not pregnant we've still got a job to do there were more men but there were women too we're talking about 12 years ago do you feel like um, being a woman in an industry that is quite male dominated? Have you ever had any obstacles? Oh, there's so many obstacles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, yeah. There, there are so many obstacles. Of course there are. Well, you have to find ways to prove yourself, maybe not more, but differently. You have to be very creative because the reality is that I don't think you can just go ahead and be like, look, I'm this, so I will get this. It doesn't work like that. So yeah. you have to find ways to expose yourself in a way that could be interesting in the market, even if you're a woman. <laughs> I mean, we've grown watching male films, yeah. which is great. There's like plenty of masterpieces out there, obviously. Yeah. But women up until today, they haven't had a lot of space to actually express themselves in the same kind of way. And I'm just curious and and really really i really want to see more because when i see some of these films it just brings me so much food it brings me mm. so much like it's so rich mm. there is always one name that comes that comes back and that's agnes varda because 
one of her films, Les Glaneurs et la Glaneuse, is actually one film that opened up so many things for me. It's one of the first author films that I saw, documentary. And, uh, and I realized that you could actually make films like this. And then all of, all of the creations, all of the films that she has made have, have this. They, they stay true to themselves. And she's a, she's a true artist. And other filmmakers, I mean, there's so many, you know, there's so many that I respect and that I admire and that, you know, as Jane Campion, Alice Horvacher, um, Miranda July, Maren Ade. There is a lot of films mm -hmm. and of cinema that I love, but it's not because it's made from women. Yeah. When I get to see them suddenly, um, that other perspective, yeah. it's what brings me close to them. Right. And I love that. Yeah. I love to, to actually get thrills through films that are from women because there are not so many. There are not so many. And sometimes I just get like an amazing surprise and an amazing feeling of actually uh, maybe a bit more of identification, you know. Like you said, there's still a bit of a way to go, isn't there, to even out the playing field in terms of creating more space for women. Of course. I mean, look at the world. Look at yeah. what's going on in the US. Women are not in a good place. They're not. When we think we might be in a good place, we're actually not. So, you know, maybe tomorrow it could be decided that we can't just work anymore or we can't, you know, so it's a constant battle. Mm. So you sat here next to me now looking back at that time and shooting that movie. Is there anything that you can think of that you, having the experience you have now and that the life experience, would you have done anything differently or are you happy with? how it turned out I think it had to be the way it was because that's the only way for me to know what went wrong you know like when I watch the film again it's like an old friend yeah. I might not have the connection that I have today with other projects that I'm probably writing or making but you know it's someone who helped me mm. find my way Mm -hmm. through my my language you know mm -hmm. cinema language there's yeah. things that I learned you know that I didn't want to do anymore because of that project and others that I'm like yeah this this actually feels right I love that answer <laughs> okay uh, let's fast forward to 2019 it's your second feature film Love Me Tender that had its world premiere in competition at the Locarno Film Festival at the Palais Cinema. Yes. And uh, that's right behind us where we're, we're chatting right now. It was constantly sold out. People couldn't get it in. I mean, that must have been so exciting. Can you take us back to that time? Yeah, that was, I was not pregnant anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so that was exciting. And I do remember uh, the fear and the excitement and all those things that maybe I didn't like three years before. Mm. But when I saw all the people waiting, I thought, gosh, who? I mean, why? <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah. weird because when it's your own creation, yeah. I was like, I was very excited, very excited. Mm. I'd was... have been in like a bit of an out-of-body experience where you're kind of floating above your own self going whoa <laughs> it is and of course there is the fear that people will hate it 
because you know i mean art is supposed to be like that it's it's supposed to create different opinions mm-hmm. otherwise i don't think it's really art and uh and of course there's going to be you know the people who accept and people who don't so you know there's it's mm. always a mixed fitting yeah can we go inside the palace cinema what's it what's it like inside i haven't been in yet because it's a, a special place right what i remember from that day it's was it was like it was pretty big yeah i mean it was pretty new yeah it has been built not long ago and uh the seats were very comfortable <laughs> <laughs> and she wasn't pregnant <laughs> Because because I was not <laughs> pregnant. It was okay. great, and there was AC, <laughs> which helped. Okay, um, about Love Me Tender, suffering from agoraphobia, Secunda is unable to leave her house. Uh, when she finally succeeds, new challenges push push this assertive super anti heroine's limits even further. What was the inspiration behind this film? I think a few things. So, you know, I've tried to to think myself how did it all start because there's I don't think there's like one day where it was like, okay, this comes out. out. There was the willing to actually do an anti-superheroine when I grew up in South America. There was like mm-hmm. El Chapulín Colorado, which is this thing for kids, you know, it's a show and there is this uh this character that comes and saves people but he's very funny and he makes everything wrong like never works like it should and at the end you know he saves people so there was like some part of me being like you know I would love to actually create some chapulín colorado but for adults and you know maybe because I'm a woman and I know more stuff you know about women mm-hmm. it would probably have to be a woman probably like the fact that you know she is at home and is not able to get out maybe at the time also when i started writing that film i was predicting the future <laughs> no but i was uh with the baby that had that was born during you know the first film so i knew that the baby was going to be born and that uh, that one was going to be home for like months i'm very maternal so when the babies are babies you know i actually take my time and So somehow even though it was like it's always been a great experience to to be there with my kids mm-hmm. uh I also felt I couldn't get out of the house and probably there is something there related mm-hmm. to my life at that moment that brought that story that I thought was actually funny mm. but a lot of people don't think it's a comedy <laughs> <laughs> Shortly after the premiere here in Locarno mm-hmm. of Love Me Tender, uh, the Toronto Film Festival followed, and then other prestigious festivals. You had the British Film Institute London, the American Film Institute in LA. So this this would just snowballed then, right, to a whole different level. And what was the support network with Locarno like? Because I bet they wanted to take some ownership of you a little bit as well. Like it's like this is our girl. Well, I have to say. when the director back then which was Lilian Stan she learned that we were at Toronto she was absolutely happy and this mm-hmm. is why when the, the film is considered swiss even though i'm not totally swiss and you get in locarno and especially a second time the fear of the production and maybe of the festival is that they've arranged something 
to make you get in somehow. You know oh, what I mean? I, it's like there's I, like some political stuff that could, right? Okay. I'm I not didn't saying know that as a Brit, but okay. Well, I'm not saying that it happens at all, but this mm. is what people say right. for a fact. People right. say, yeah, well, the film got in Locarno because she either lives in Ticino or because she's Swiss or because, you know. Mm. So for everyone, it was amazing news that the film actually was in such a prestigious festival as the TIFF because it was like, huh, well. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for the career of the film, it was insane. It was, it was mm -hmm. amazing because when I wrote the film, which I wrote very, very fast compared to all the projects that I have, mm -hmm. and my producer, Tiziana, she, she read it. She said, look, Claudia, I, I love this story and, you know, I love it. So we will make it. But you know, no one's going to watch this film, right? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know, I know. And she was like, but, you know, I love it. So we'll do it. But really, you know, we have to just be realistic. So when this film just went <laughs> out there, we didn't really understand why. Because, I mean, the film is, is strange. I think it's kind of normal. But people tell me, you know, I don't know what's going on in your head. But, you know. <laughs> And to see this vi very tiny little film really made home, it was amazing. Maybe it's because you remained true to yourself, true to the story you wanted to tell, and then that's why it was successful. You didn't think about, I'm going to make it for this person or that audience. You made it because it was a story you wanted to do. Maybe, and maybe also the fact that maybe people are more ready to also see different stories that are told by different points of views, you know, mm. maybe, you know, like uh, this woman is not exactly uh, the typical woman that you actually see in cinema. I mean, she, some people would be like, so what does she have hair? I mean, she doesn't shave. And I'll be like, yeah, well, that's because she's crazy, right? And I'll be like, well, you know, we grow hair, right? Woman grow <laughs> hair, right? And like, yeah, but that's kind of weird. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's weird because society tells us to, you know, cut our hair, but truly this character is true to herself. So maybe mm -hmm. people are more ready to actually accept these kind of characters than before. I don't know if my film would have gotten this kind of attention 10 years ago. I don't mm. know. That's food for thought. Mm. How does the different cultures and your different backgrounds blend within your films when you've got these very different perspectives? I don't do it in purpose because obviously I think they're all part of me. Uh, I don't know in what percentage I'm Peruvian or Swiss or North American or something else that maybe will come. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but for sure, for example, when I, uh, I made Love Me Tender, at some point she dances a cumbia. And to me, it was very important that she dances a cumbia instead of like, you know, a more European or something else. Now that I have a, the script for the film that I'm hopefully going to shoot in Peru, yeah. there are some aspects that are more related to, to Europe or to the US, but because I want to bring this within the characters. And I think the characters, they always help me just bring these different parts of of who I am and that's what's great about fiction and writing you know you kind of like become god of mm -hmm. this little tiny universe right yeah so you're able to to just take different parts of you or of what you know at least yeah and 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 put them together and and and, and just 
comes very naturally. Mm. Where's your favorite place to write? You know, like when you are creating this world or creating these characters and you have to take your mama hat off and your wife hat off and just, you know, get yourself into this world. It's been changing. Um, uh, when my kids were little, like little, like attached little, yeah. it was obviously my kitchen. <laughs> so <laughs> that I could get to the fridge easily. So now uh, that they, you know, they grow and that I have more space because they go to school and all this, my new thing is actually I try to go uh, twice or three times a week to a different public place, meaning it can be like, you know, le Buffet de la Gare, which I don't know how you translate that in English, like the, 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 the train station buffet or like a five-star lobby hotel. I just love to change and see different things, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that has been uh, a real motor, like uh, before the heat started, but I would actually take my my bag mm-hmm. and you know, decide, okay, so what kind of place is the place today to actually see? And, you know, because I, I think in order to write, you have to see life. Yeah. I can't just be in my chalet, which I don't have, uh, <laughs> by myself writing. It doesn't happen like this to me. Right. I need to constantly see what's going on, listen to things, be sad, be happy see a dog whatever Mm. and so by changing spots it helps me like to see at least in the city where I am an approach so if we see you in a McDonald's or train buffet say hi (laughs) yeah with your laptop (laughs) you might be in just you might make it into one of your films who knows yes (laughs) (laughs) well to the present what are you working on right now so I'm actually uh, finishing in post-production of a series that I, uh, I show run and then that I co-directed. Uh, this is for the French part of Switzerland. So uh, that's exciting. Uh, we're almost done with that. And, uh, and I'm preparing for a new film that hopefully uh, will be found. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're waiting. Uh, okay. And that's going to be in Peru. So finally, ah. I'm going to go back to my first home and, uh, and, and tell a story. Oh, yeah. like a, that's a bit of a full circle moment right there. Yeah, yeah. I've been waiting a long time to make this film. Um, it was supposed to be shot like last year, but then I accepted to be part of this series, which was great. It was like a totally different kind of thing I mean Mm -hmm. TV it's different and Mm. I'm very happy that I did it but now I can't wait to actually do this I hope hopefully yeah because you've done in between feature films you've directed several documentary films for Swiss TV how does directing for like TV well maybe for my type of documentaries I mean it doesn't change so much but for cinema you have some kind of freedom where you don't have to think of the audience so much. So in the editing room, it's going to be more about finding the written of the creation of the film. Mm-hmm. When you do it for TV, mm-hmm. especially on prime time, mm-hmm. you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could, but no. <laughs> you can't. If, if, if you do it, 
well, it doesn't go on prime time. You can't do it. Yeah. So it's another way of actually uh, making documentaries, either one or the other. It's yeah. just another way. The subject could be the same, but the approach has to be a bit different. Mm. Do you like having a nice sort of mix between it the was, two different mediums? It was very interesting for me to make, I think I made three documentaries for TV. And it was it was very interesting because, you know, you just learn. It, each thing makes you learn, like, how to build something and to be true to that creation, to be true to that, to that object, mm. but to adapt to whatever you have to. Mm. So it is harder uh, because you don't have as much time on the edit room. You don't have, you know, it's just harder, harder, harder. So I stopped doing it for a while. <laughs> I haven't right. done it anymore because I got tired. But it, I mean, everyone should do it. I think it is important to actually know also this type of reality. Looking to the future, what hopes do you have for the world of film and your place within it? And my place? Mm. Well, I hope that my films will always have a very strong attachment to, to art more than to entertainment, mm. I would say, if that means something. Of it course, today, series and a lot of cinema is made for people to watch it more and more and it becomes very standard and it becomes like I feel when I watch you know most series or you know even some films it's like I've watched it already like 10 times you know the same thing mm. I hope I won't fall into that somehow because it makes me very very happy to create I think art is a living expression you know that that gets, you know, with the process of cultural factors and a unique vision of an artist or of different artists or creators, mm. it enables people to to react, to rethink, you know, to, to move. Mm. And to lose that part, I think it's the worst that could happen. You're a true artist, I can tell that, Claudia. Like, <laughs> this has been such a, a great conversation. Thank, oh, you, thank you so, so much. much. It I was really easy appreciate with it. You. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're going to enjoy this next part. Let's roll your closing credits. What movie have you watched most in your life and why? Okay, I think it's got to be uh, The Good Father, Padrino. Because probably, you know, every time I watch it, I, I have a different opinion on that. And mm. because, you know, you grow with the main character and, uh, and, 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 and you change and, you know, it's, it's always surprising. But The Square, uh, it's also a film that I choose, like, I'm not tired to watch. I, I love the, the satire. I love the satire on the art world. It's just okay. that, that film. Is, but to be totally honest... The one that I've watched the most is Dirty Dancing. <laughs> yeah. I, I was a teenager. I had a v VHS. And that was like, I, I watched until it broke. So. <laughs> I love you so hard for saying that right now. <laughs> okay. If you could have the Piazza Grande to yourself uh, and your friends, what movie would you most like to watch there and why? That would be The Shining. <laughs> but uh, yeah because you know i mean it's such a masterpiece and you know the thrill of just having there you know piazza grande and also because uh 
I mean, I get kind of scared, so having people around yeah, yeah. <laughs> that not, help not a lot. Not dancing the shining. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, you're directing a movie about your life. What would the opening and closing scenes look like? The opening scene would probably be me eating uh, some Peruvian dish cooked by my grandmother in Peru, and it would be in Spanish. And the last scene would probably be like my grandkids uh, eating the same dish, but in oh. another country and not in Spanish. And yeah. Oh, that's so lovely. If you could create a new category of award at the Locarno Film Festival, what would it be and who would you give it to? It would be the most awkward film award. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And I don't know. I would have. I, I don't know who who I would give it to right now. Aww, That's something I have I to you think do. about. Uh, okay. What are your hopes for the future of film festivals? That they keep alive, mm. and that you know, it's a place where people can actually discover and all ages and all generations, and you know, that they keep alive. Mm. Mm. Is today's art shaping society as it should? Well, as I said before, like art is actually the uh, the living form that that is always going to be there to shape in a good or a bad way things. But it's what art makes. It's a process. It's the interpretation. It's interpretation. Mm. Mm. So... What can art and cinema do to improve people's lives? Probably remain honest and be very close to to the freedom that it brings to people, whether controversial or not. Uh, what is the biggest challenge today for cinema and culture? It's probably that it's uh, evolving uh, in a way that we don't know. I don't know. Uh, if it's going to be a good way or a bad way, but it's evolving anyways. So it is a challenge, good, bad, I don't know. But it will be a challenge because, you know, uh, cinema is changing, Mm. will not be the same. And last but by no means least, as the Locarno Film Festival is all about freedom, do you feel free? So uh, if I feel free as a person... Yes and no, you know, I mean, I think I'm able to make choices. I don't know if they're always free choices. (laughs) Yeah. But I try to make it as better as I can for myself, at least. Claudia Rinico, (laughs) thank you so much. You rock. You really do. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. It was great. Thank you for listening to Future Spectives, the Locarno Film Festival podcast presented by UBS. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support Future Spectives with your review and subscribe on all the major podcast platforms. This series is created and produced by Brand Audio Media.